0: However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. Father, we thank You for Your Word. I thank You for Brother David and Sister Leah ushering us into worship. Lord, what tender worship. Lord, what a privilege to be that rose of Sharon, that that beloved of the Lord. And um, Lord, we're reminded tonight that you don't just tolerate us. You don't just put up with us. You love us as the apple of your eye. Whoa, what a a statement. What a thought. Lord, make that revelatory to us. And as we go through your word and talk about your servant Enoch Uh, Lord, apply it to our heart and our life. Uh, Just as if you were up here, Lord, preach through me. Lord, let your word and your Holy Spirit touch us tonight. And those uh, tuned in on Facebook and through the recording, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm not going to go through the introduction too much other than just to say that Enoch is such an interesting man. Uh, I think everybody here has heard that name. Um, he's the one guy, or there's, a, I think, two, Enoch and uh, Elijah, I believe, are the two men in Scripture who just did not die. They just were suddenly taken. Uh, I think it was Elijah, correct me if I'm wrong, or maybe it was Elisha, um, where he was just taken into a fiery chariot into heaven. <laughs> like, that'd be one way to go. And... uh Enoch, we don't have a lot of information on him, but but what I've learned over 20 years of Bible study is that there's somewhat of a mystery that when there's almost nothing said about a person, it's a hint, those things I do say are really significant because that's my friend and I'm giving you like the four things that I really want you to know about this man's life. And so whenever you get like I've heard messages for 20 years where someone will take one sentence and unpack it, and I'm like, "How did you get that?" You know but they just spent time with it, and uh, there's so much gold in the Bible, but Enoch, there's like four things about him, and that's it. But I have this suspicion, because I've kind of gotten to know the Lord a little bit, then when there's f- like three or four things about a person, th- the things that are there are so worth studying. And what's even more of a cool layer on top of that is when the Old Testament gives us a few things, and then the New Testament gives us a little more. And so you put them together and you're like, wow, it's so cool. How how did they in the New Testament know that, but by revelation? So that's kind of the intro. Just some thoughts on, on uh, how to uh, interpret and, and things like that, so we 'll just skip down to number uh, two and just talk about four insights, but I just wanted to mention that briefly. This is a neat man to look into, and it can apply to our life but let 's start in Genesis five. This is where we meet Enoch. Enoch is the seventh from Adam, so Adam, and then all the way down we get to enoch seven seven generations. And it says in Genesis 5.22, he begot Methuselah. So he's married. He has a child named Methuselah. Um, great baby name if you're in one day, Methuselah. And, uh, and then it says, so he begets a Methuselah, and then he walks with God for 300 years. So the first thing that strikes us as we meet Enoch is, is that something happened when his kid was born that he wanted to walk with God. And I think, how true is that? Because, I, you know, when you have kids and then you go for a few more years, you almost view your life as before kids and after kids. It's like the most significant other than marriage or giving your life to the Lord. But but it's almost like having kids is, is truly you define your life as before and after kids. It's just that, almost almost that dramatic. Maybe parents here would agree or disagree, but it's just a very significant time in any person's life. And what's significant is the scriptures highlight that about Enoch. He It says that he has Methuselah and then he walks with God for 300 years and has more sons and daughters so all the days of Enoch were 365 years so for the first 65 years we're not really sure he has Methuselah and then it says but for the next 300 years he he walked with God and then it says again it's like God wanted us to get it really so it says verse 24 Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him so imagine that's the one thing that god wants to write about your life he says this man or this woman they walked with me and i and i was so pleased with that and we'll we'll look at other verses that gives us a little more detail that i didn't even want him i didn't even want to wait for him to die i just took him <laughs> like, like god you can do that isn't that like breaking the rules or like what? there was something special about enoch and it's just so interesting. I want to unpack a couple of these verses that we find out. But number one, Enoch walked with God. When I think of walking, I have this all on the notes, so you know feel free to go through it later. Walking implies a relaxed disposition, a, a relaxed devotion. It doesn't say about Enoch that he was sprinting with God his whole life. Or he was running hard after God. I mean, that's not bad to do that. We sprint for a day or two in the things of God, maybe do 10 hours of prayer for two days, and then we can't do it our whole life. It doesn't say he crawled after God. It doesn't say he sprinted or ran. It doesn't say anything about ministry he did. It doesn't say anything about his job. It just says simply he walked with God. And if you think about walking... Anybody here go on walks? Are you a, any any walkers or prayer walkers? There's something about walking where you're not like in a big hurry. Yeah, it's the point of walking. Uh, you know, if you're running a marathon and you're trying to get a good time, you're in a hurry and it's physically taxing. But walking implies I'm relaxed and I'm at peace and I'm able to notice the scenery and think clearly and talk to the Lord. There's something about walking where our guard's down and we're just at peace and there's joy. You know what I'm talking about? Now, if we want to get our our body really worked up, then we start running. But it's like we can't focus on anything except hard running. But walking's different. And I think God wants us to look at Enoch's life and really glean from this man learned how to relate to me long-term in kind of this relaxed, easygoing, you know, sensitivity that you would if you were on a walk. He walked with God. He wasn't ahead of God. He wasn't behind God. He wasn't telling God what to do. He just was, the picture really is he was kind of side-by-side just at a leisurely pace, his whole life. And and I would present tonight that that's, that's really how we need to orient our mind. If we're going to be faithful disciples of Jesus till the end, you can't, you can't do what I've seen for so long is... The person goes to the conference and gets on fire for God. They do that for a few days or maybe a week or month, and then they burn out for the whole rest of the year. And they go back to the conference. I'm on fire again for a couple days, maybe a week. And then I get to the conference again, and I'm on fire. And they just do this cycle. They think I have to either go full tilt or nothing. And I believe what Scripture says, gives us through the lives of many men and women, particularly Enoch, is there's a better way to really know God on a deep level. It's to orient your heart toward this idea of walking with God every day. And it's not that we don't have seasons where we press into God. We do that. It's not like we don't challenge ourselves to go deeper. We do that But I've seen too many folks who are in the passion for Jesus kind of circle burn out and quit on God because they're thinking, I either have to be totally nuts, like, I have to do 40-day fasts every two months, and I got to do, you know, whatever they think, and they can't, they just, they never really were taught that you can just walk with God every day for the rest of your life. And then it doesn't have to be dramatic encounters. It doesn't have to be, you know, all of the things that we esteem as charismatics or Pentecostals or passion for Jesus types. You can just set your heart to love him, to study his word, to pray, and to do that for your 90 or 100 years or whatever God allows you to have. And, And that's successful. That's what he's looking for. And I think sometimes we measure our am I doing good by like, have I had all these intense moments and have I had this or that and have I pressed in and did I go to the conference and you, you can do that, but but if you do all that and you don't have like a, a a relaxed relationship, like a real friendship, it's not really there has to something has to click at some point. And some people will say to me, I'll say, Derek, I don't know how you do." prayer every day or house of prayer for that many years. I just could never do that. And what they're thinking is that doing it is like being intense all day. I'm not intense all day. (laughs) I'm, I'm rarely intense. I knew what that was like when I was 18, 19, and 20. And I thought that But to do it when you're 21, 22, 23, 24, all the way up to, I'm almost 40 now. To do that for 20 years, I got saved in in 1999. At some point, you have to realize God is pleased with you just walking next to him at a leisurely pace. You talk to him. He talks to you. It's a picture of just going through every day, having a regular, like with my wife, you know, we've been married 13 years. And so much of that relationship is just very leisurely. We just sit down and we talk. And not, not everything is, I love you! You know, if we did that every two minutes, it'd be so weird. You, for you about to get married, it's, you can do that. But, there, you know, the first... Uh, that's great advice right there. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> I mean you just you do you, but there comes a point where you're just you're friends, you love each other, and so you just kind of do life and it's normal, and that's how God wants us to interact with him. We're friends, we're sons, we're daughters, and so there's something to pray into about this, I think. Pray into this aspect of walking with him. Here's the paradox. We are called to run a race. We're called to. But in order to run the race, we have to learn how to walk with God. It's a paradox. If we want to run the race set before us with perseverance, we have to learn to walk with God. It's this interesting paradoxical notion that if you want to finish strong, learn to walk. And you'll look back and you'll go, man, somehow the race we did it so Enoch walked with God and his life calls us to walk with him now here's the thing Enoch started when he was 65 so a lot of life went by and then he started it's never too late to begin a relationship with God it's never too late to say you know what I've been a Christian for this long but now I really want to be closer to him I don't want to just do the church on Sunday Christianity I want to have a relationship every day. I want to have quiet times. I want to talk to him when I'm driving. I want to invite him into my workspace. You know, I want to be close. I want to walk with him. It's never too late to make those decisions. I've had people. I, I mean, we've done so many conferences and random things here. We've had times where the place was full, and I've never ceased to be amazed at what God will do when we. It's whether it's two or three or the place is full. But I've talked to 70 and 80-year-old people during prayer times, and they'll say, Derek, pray for me. I want to do God's will for my life. And I go, that is amazing because it's never too late to want to do God's will for your life. There's never a day or a year or an age bracket where it's like you got to just give up on that. At 65, Enoch says, I'm in God. I'm in. I want to walk closely with you. We don't know what happened. We don't know if Billy Graham preached to him. I mean, that didn't happen. But something happened when he was 65, his kid's born, and he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, someone helped me. And God touched him or whatever happened. But six, I mean, think of it, 65 years old. We'd say that. You're retired. Just settle down. No, I want to walk with God. And what Enoch didn't know was he had 300 years to go. Now, we talk about today calling people to be devoted for decades. This man was devoted for centuries. And he had a kid named Methuselah, and we all know this, right? Methuselah lived longer than any person in recorded biblical history. Methuselah lived to be 969. He lived for a millennium. And I'm just thinking, what I can't even... So Methuselah... Has a dad that lives goes deep for three centuries, and now he's processing that as he lives for a millennium. I mean, that's. I mean, imagine if you could go hard after God and walk with God, not till you're seventy or eighty, but to your three hundred and seventy or three hundred and eighty, or nine hundred. I mean, it just gets absurd. But that's. After the fall, there was still so much power in life related to that Eden-like reality that people were still living for hundreds of years. There was a supernatural thing still going and still alive. It trickled through, the, through time, and now we just, you know, we go when, when it's, where it's <laughs> they'd look at us and they go, there's just babies back there getting, you know. They, the, Methuselah would look at a hundred-year-old and go, you're just a young little whippersnapper. You don't don't even have any experience. Walking with God. Begin to think about it. Begin to orient yourself to that line of thinking. And it's never too late. I can't stress that enough. Man, I was so humbled one time when an old lady came up to me and she was 70, 75 years old. Derek, pray for me. I just, whatever God's will is, I want to do it. Oh my gosh, that's so amazing. I want you to do God's will. Then I was like a 35-year-old at the time thinking, I want to be that passionate when I get older so Enoch walked with God the number two we find out from the book of Hebrews that Enoch pleased God he walked with God and he pleased God now we don't have that detail in the Old Testament the author of Hebrews just says that we don't know why he says that but he says it he of course says it by revelation but we don't know where he got that now that word, he, it says here, I'll just read it, Hebrews 11.5, it says, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. We already knew that from Genesis. And he was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And that, that statement, he had this testimony, what that means is there was record, there was evidence that he was pleasing to God. What that record was or what that, te- I mean, we, we think about church, you know, uh, I gave my testimony, this was different. He had testimony, meaning there was something on record attesting to the fact that this man pleased God. We don't know what that is, but the author of Hebrews puts it in and God says, that's true, I put that in the Bible. That was uh, under inspiration of me. And so he walks with God. He gets raptured before physical death. And and the author of Hebrews says, it's because he was pleasing to God. I think what a fascinating thing to ponder. Let me just say this. There's pretty much only one thing that's going to matter when you're standing before God. (laughs) For me, for you. And that is did we please God or did we not? I mean, it just all boils down to when we're standing before the throne of glory and we give that final report out, and I mean, there's angels, and you know, I just can't imagine how dramatic that scene's gonna be in our loving Lord and Savior looking down at us and we're giving account. I mean, what an intense situation. I mean, I think it'll be a good situation if we lived right. But man, wouldn't it be amazing We go before the the judgment seat and he evaluates our life and he says, says, uh, I'll pick on Andrew, Andrew, well done, your life pleased me. Oh oh my gosh, like you just fall over just crying and laughing or something. I don't know what you do. But man, this life is so interesting. But to live in such a way, like an Enoch, we just walk faithfully with him. And then when it's over, he says, you pleased me. Well done. Like, I just don't think there could be anything more amazing than that. Like, you really did it. You didn't make excuses like anybody else. You, uh, your assignment was hard, but you didn't, you didn't complain. You just did it. And because you did, people were touched. And, and more importantly, I, I was blessed. I, your Father, I, your Lord and Savior, who, who died on the cross for you, I saw, I saw it all. And I'm pleased. Like, what, what an intense thing to, to, to ponder. But, but that's real. I mean, all of us, in a blink of an eye, are going to be before that mighty throne of glory. And we will either have done what he asked or we didn't. We will have either pleased him or not and, and in the one sense because we're in christ we're pleasing to him but a lot of christians more more often than not these days they're 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 hanging on technicalities. oh i can do whatever i want because i'm a christian no you can't do whatever you want you got to do the will of god you got to obey what he told you to do you can't just claim that thing from 20 years ago that you did in all no if your life doesn't line up with what you said back there then there's an inconsistency I not only want to be saved, I want to be doing the will of my Father in heaven. I want to be on fire for God. And so Enoch wasn't just one of these flighty people who liked having, you know, prayer walks. Because you read the Genesis account, you're like, oh, that's neat, Derek, he walked with God. No, no, the author of Hebrews says the ultimate. He says, no, that, that, he, his whole life was pleasing to God. I think of King David. Again, the New Testament does this often. King David, we weren't really sure how it worked out in his life because, yeah, he was the man after God's own heart, but then he, you know, the, the adultery thing, Bathsheba, and then the Uriah thing, and then, you know, he murdered his friend. Well, what did God think of that? Well, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, what's it say? God says, David did all the will of God. So the Lord looked mercifully over David's life and said, David, we know there was mistakes, but you repented, and so I wiped them off your account. And and yeah, there there were uh, consequences for your disobedience, but, but the statement over your life that I'm gonna put in Scripture is that you did the will of God. And so... With Enoch, okay, yeah, he walked with God and something happened there with Methuselah when he was born. Hebrews says, no, no, he pleased God. That was the statement over his life. That was what 365 years of just going after the Lord, walking with him, trying to obey him, you know, doing what you know to do in life. He got the ultimate compliment. That's what I'm trying to say. The ultimate compliment. Your life, Enoch, pleased me. And oh, to hear that about our life. You know, I, I just think, man, if there's, I don't want to get to heaven and find out, yeah, you did a bunch of ministry, and then, you know, you did this, and you had all that, but you didn't really love me, you didn't really do what I said. I, I just, man, I just, I want to be faithful and hear, and you want to hear this. You want to hear on that last day, because no one's going to be perfect, But if we give it an honest go and we stay the course, we will hear, well done. Now, I'm gonna just touch on this briefly. So Enoch walked with God. Enoch pleased God. Enoch prophesied about the coming of God. Again, not gonna talk about this too much, but Jude, the book of Jude. So Genesis talks about Enoch then Hebrews in the New Testament and then Jude in the New Testament throws in a little bit that we didn't know. He says Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied and he prophesied about the coming of the Lord. He talks very briefly about when the Lord comes back with 10,000s of his saints. This is at the second coming of Christ. and then he talks about their role at the sec- second coming, which is really intense. But the point I want to make, I don't want to unpack Jude 14 and 15. The point I want to make is that in walking with God, at some point in, Enoch became so sensitive to God that he began to have prophetic ministry. He began to speak things that were right on. He began to speak eschatologically. He began to give insight, and and let me say it this way, there wasn't anyone before Enoch saying this, but he started saying it. So there was a closeness he developed, so he started hearing from God's heart and declaring things before others. And I'm sure when, the, when they went to the first Enoch conference back then, which they didn't have, I'm just making it up, but, you know, when people started hearing his ministry, they're like, what, the Lord with ten thousands of his what? You know, I'm sure they were completely had no idea. And that's what it is when you're a forerunner. When you walk closely with God, you're hearing things and saying them no one has a clue. And it takes you repeating it time after time. Then finally people go, oh, yeah, it connects, Okay. And so he was one of the first prophetic messengers talking about the Lord coming to execute judgment on all the ungodly. And again, I'm not going to get all into that, but it's a very, uh, when you walk with God and you live to please God above anything else, you will, you'll become prophetic. Because people always say, how do I hear from God? It's very simple. Just live the, live the life God gave you. Just do, be faithfully, do faithful in your job. Just spend time with him every day. Get into his word, pray, you know, don't get into secret disobedience and all that. I mean, just, just be faithful. And if you do fall, just repent and get it in the light and keep moving on. But if you walk faithfully with God, eventually you're gonna start to hear from him. And you're gonna accidentally prophesy more often than not. You'll say things, oh, that was for me. And you'll have insight in Scripture. You'll pray with clarity. You'll, you'll speak to others in ways that are increasingly helpful and revelatory. There, there just becomes a, a spirit on your life where the Lord's on you. One of the uh, more interesting families in the New Testament is Philip's family. Philip, it says, had daughters. I think it's four daughters who prophesied. So they had a culture in their home they love Jesus, they're walking with God, spending time with him, and all of them are operating in a prophetic spirit. They're hearing from the Lord, they're giving information to others, and so that, that can touch individuals, that can touch families, that can touch communities. Paul spoke in Corinthians about a church. It says, if, if every one of you in the church is prophesying, will there not be people coming in and falling down saying God's truly here? We talked about that two weeks ago. But that's significant, I think, Never look at having a regular devotional life and just simply doing your job. Never look down on that. You do that for 10 or 20 years, you will be so close to the Lord. You will have insight that others don't have. You'll be able to pray with clarity for others. And, And you will accidentally minister. You know, someone will just come up to you randomly at an altar call, yeah, I'll just pray for you real quick. And then boom, they just get nailed. God touches them. I mean, it just happens. You just don't, the more. because here's the thing. If God's your priority and you're close to him, then, then the full benefit package is on your life. See, some people just go after the anointing. Don't go after the anointing. Go after God and you'll get anointed. I don't even know how that even works, but some people are so focused on being prophetic or moving and it's like, no, you spend time with Jesus. That anointing rubs off on you. You got Everything. And we'll unpack that another time. But seriously, walk in relationship with this man. Get close to him. This isn't even on the notes, but this is helpful. When Jesus was on the road to Emmaus, do you remember what happened? He walked with them and they walked with him. And what was happening? Their hearts were set on fire. When you walk with Jesus, you hear from him and it sets your heart on fire. And when your heart's on fire, you don't have to fake anything. You'll just talk to people. They'll know you're the real thing. And stuff will happen. I mean, Jesus wasn't working things up, trying to put on a show. Just the, the power of God just came out of him just because it was really there. And I think, man, I don't want more seminars on how to do this or that. I just want people to be close to Jesus because when people are close to Jesus, heaven on earth happens. You know what I mean? There's, just, there's no other way to say it. And. Uh, the, this book of Acts is just very clear. It says they, they didn't have formal training. They, didn't, they weren't this or that, but people knew they'd been with Jesus. And that's what I want in my life and in yours. I mean, I want people, I want there to come a day for real where people are like, you know what? I don't, I'm not really into lights and smoke and all that, but what I do notice is when I come here, Jesus is here. Like what if we had churches and communities like that? Like I want people to come to GP hop and go home. I don't want them talking about lights and they're obviously not talking about lights and carpet and things like that because it's interesting. But man, I just would love to have a community in the region where people, they come in or they encounter on Facebook or recording, I don't know, whatever, and they just feel God. That's kind of what, yeah, anyway. And then let's go to number four real quick as I grab a drink. Enoch, Enoch was walking, he walked with God, he pleased God, he prophesied about the coming of God, and then he was taken by God. Again, Hebrews 11.5, it says Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. He was just walking one day and gone. No one could find him. I mean, I, like, think about that, and I'm like, Lord, don't do that to my kids. That'd be terrible. You know, I mean, I just, I just think, whoa. I don't know why. I, don't, I mean, there, I think I have thoughts, but he was 365, and the Lord's like, I love you so much. I just i am pleased with you. Sure, just takes him straight to heaven. But what I think is humorous, it says they couldn't find him. God, so, like, they went looking for him. Like imagine this, he was taken, he did not see death, and was not found, because God had taken him. People were looking for Enoch, and then at some point they just, I think God took him. You know, I mean, think of the police report that they had to fill out. God took him. I, I, I just, But what do you say? It's never happened before, up to this point, that we know of it's not on the biblical record until Enoch. He just wasn't found. And we know the author of Hebrews, under the inspiration of the uh, Holy Spirit, God truly took this man because he pleased God. Now, there's coming a day where there will be a rapture of the saints. Okay, I don't want to get too into this tonight, but what Enoch's life does point to, there's coming a day before the second coming, there will be a rapturing of the church. We don't know. I mean... I have my position on it, but the timing of it is debated all through the church. But the reality of it, it's, it's there, it's gonna happen. When Jesus comes back, it says there's gonna be a catching up of his saints. Now, some people say it's gonna be before the tribulation. Others say in the middle of the tribulation, after the tribulation, before the wrath of God is poured. And I have my position, and I would encourage you to find your position based on scripture, and that's another message for another day. But the fact is, Enoch foreshadows a day where this will happen to saints, this will happen to the church, this will happen to people who please God in Christ. Let me say it a different way. There's coming a day, future and maybe not too far from now, right before the return of Jesus that perhaps a billion people will be translated into the sky, I don't know why God's going to do it that way, but it's scriptural. It's going to happen. And, and what that means is they won't physically die. Many, many, many people will not physically die just before the second coming. Many will die, naturally. Many will die as martyrs. Many will die for just various reasons. But millions won't. And so some people don't even like talking about that because they just, whoa, we don't want to prepare. No, no, we just want to be faithful to Scripture. It says it, and so we just, there it is. Enoch was translated because he was pleased by God, and this is going to happen, and I just think, oh, maybe it'd be cool to be translated or something, but, you know, it's up to the Lord. Oh, it's good. Yeah, stuff just pops up to all the time. Yeah, at least I've been talking too long. <laughs> My iPhone's like, you need to stop, Kisner. But let me just say this. I don't, Again, that my heart wasn't to you know, go really in a deep dive theologically on that. But whether we are raptured one day, because the, the second coming happens in our lifetime, which it may, it may not. We, we live for Jesus no matter if it's a thousand years from now or a thousand days from now. Set your heart to be faithful to the end no matter what. Okay? We might be raptured. We might not be, we might die physically. We might die naturally. But here's the point. You and I, we will be taken by God at some point. Again, it might be the Lord's coming and he catches up the saints and we're like, woo, this is great, I didn't die. It may be that, or we may die a martyr, or we may die of old age, natural causes. But God will take us at some point. And so just know that. Know that that day is, is appointed for me and you. I don't know when. I wish we did. Um, But we need to remind ourselves often that very soon, whether it's decades or whether it's minutes, we don't know. We never know. We are going to step into eternity. Let that touch your mind every once in a while. That, That once you graduate from, you know, this life, you you step into eternity. If you love Jesus and follow him, it's eternal heaven. If not, it's eternal hell. There's no other choice. If we make a decision to follow Jesus, it's eternal life. If we don't, it's eternal death. But eternity really is the next step. There's, there's no middle ground. Some religions and You know, positions have tried to make a middle ground to kind of soften the blow, but there's no softening of the blow. It really is, we go from this life to eternity. In the one sense, we all die, but it's forever. Do You know what I'm saying? So we either go on for eternity experiencing life or we go on for eternity experiencing death. It's heaven or hell. And we need to never stop talking about this because everyone you interact with and I interact with We're going to exist somewhere for eternity. That's why when I hear things like 500,000 dead in our country from COVID, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like eternity just touches my heart every time I hear numbers like that. It's like, oh my gosh. 500,000 people stepped into the presence of God, life evaluated, some made it, some didn't. Ugh, intense. Let's keep an eternal perspective This life, it's so meaningful, it's so precious, it's so short. Uh, Very quickly, just want to share this. Uh, Just this week, my next-door neighbor, I had talked to him, I think the day before, they found him dead uh, in his house. Uh, You know, I I mean, just a young man, uh, just a little bit older than me, and um, all of a sudden, there's a bunch of paramedics outside, and he's just... He thought he was going to live to be, you know, ninety, hundred, like we all do, and his life ended. Uh, it was such a tough situation. I heard from a dear friend uh, who had had us praying for their father, uh, who had COVID. I was just notified today uh, that uh, Luis, who Andrew and I we've been praying for, uh, Luis passed away. And um, I mean, we we know that. We know that's going to happen to everybody, but sometimes when it's so sudden and unexpected, oh, it's just a gut punch. There's a sting to it. But make no mistake, it's almost always without warning. And I I, I was saying this this week, I so wish God would tell all of us, you're going to live to be exactly 100. You're going to kind of get sick when you're 98, and you're just going to kind of relax for two years, and then everybody's going to know it's your time. That happens to very few people. Most people, you just have no clue and it happens and they're gone. I want us to be prepared. I want us to be reminded. Let's make the radical choices now to do things like walk with God faithfully so that when we're taken, again, no matter how that happens, whether we're raptured at the second coming or we're... Um, you know, taken in, in physical death, in old age, or suddenly, that, that when we do go before him, it's a good conversation. Let me just say this, because people freak out when I talk about the judgment seat. God isn't up in heaven with like a big ruler going, I can't wait to talk to that boy. Whoop that boy a good one. Tell him how he wasted his life. No, I assure you, God is doing everything in his unlimited power to give you the grace to help you so that when you have that conversation, it can be a good conversation. But we can resist it. You know what I'm saying? We, we can resist it. And so I want to be one of those sons where like the father's bending over backward twice to help me. I want to be one of the sons It's like, okay, yes, I need help. Please help me. I want to be one of those children that's like, Dad, help me. Help me to because I want to come home and and hear well done. Whether I'm a hundred and ten or you know uh you know, eighty or you know, David was I think seventy or whatever. I can't remember, but you know, all through the Scripture, men of God who faithfully loved the Lord died at all different ages, and we don't know when that time will be, but we do know God will take us at some point, and it will be the right time. There are no accidents uh, in, in God's economy. Does that make sense? So Enoch, he walked with God. He obeyed God. He prophesied about the coming of God, and he was taken by God. Let's learn from him Let's kind of put his life into our vocabulary and begin to say, God, help me to walk with you. God, help me to uh, speak about you because we know there's coming a time where we won't be here. And uh, I look forward to, you know, when the world is restored, and again, he, he brings the, the saints down and the, we live for that millennium and we restore all things. And I mean, I'm pumped about that. But man, I, I really want that to be a good conversation when I go to talk to him. I want, I want to be able to stand in his presence, you know, head bowed on my knee and him just say, well done, you did it. And I want to help as many others do that as well. And how do we get there? Let me just close with, with this thought again. It's not doing the spiritual whiplash of I go to the conference and I'm on fire, but then I'm dead the rest of the year. And so I go to the conference again and get on fire, but then I'm dead the rest of the year. We don't do the whiplash thing. We just walk with Him. Day in, day out, every week, every month, every year until He takes us. Amen. Amen, amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org slash donate. That's gphop.org slash donate. Thank you and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.